everyone, you're listening to The Arts Fuse Presents The Short Fuse. I am your host, Deanna Costa, here to bring you into the world of our online arts criticism magazine. Today's episode was supposed to feature a lovely, riveting, uh, slightly long-winded, but in a very beautiful way, <laughs> conversation that I had last Friday evening with um, the old hosts, old maybe in uh, you know, fuse time, but certainly not old at heart, Matt Hansen and Lucas Spiro. But unfortunately, uh, my, my error, somehow the audio did not survive. So I'm <laughs> uh, pivoting a little bit and we will have them on later in the season. We'll have them actually here talking with us. And uh, what we'll talk about remains to be seen. But for this episode's purpose, since we can't hear from them, we're going to kind of hear from them because I'm going to cover two recent articles that they wrote. So we have Lucas's book review, Murder and the Movies, So Cinematic, The Spectacle of Death. And then we have Matt's article, Rock Album, 1970s, Live at Goose Lake, The Stooges Hitting Their Feral Stride. So we've got Pretty much classic work, I would say, by the boys. Lucas does a lot of book reviews. Matt does a lot of music and all, all sorts of uh, articles, actually, now that I think about it. But yeah, that is the topic of conversation today. We're going to take it back to kind of our old format. Last week was a bit of a weird episode that I tried on, and I'm glad to hear that Matt liked it, so I hope <laughs> the rest of you did. Uh, we're also going to feature come in attractions at the end of this episode as we used to in the past and you may be wondering you know what what are you doing telling me to go places we're not supposed to be going places well listen if you want to go places that's your business I've got some options for you but if you want to stay home and you know still try to get some arts and culture in your day Bill has compiled a great list here of all sorts of online events going on live streaming situations, uh, you know, like Zoom author interviews, you can pop in on a Q&A maybe. I mean, some of these experiences sound pretty cool. So I would suggest staying tuned. And uh, when we come back from this very quick little break, we're going to start out with Lucas's book review coming up. Alrighty, Murder and the Movies by David Thompson. This book is available for $26. And if you go to the Arts Fuse website, which is artsfuse.org, and you look up this article, you can find the link, but we'll also include it in the show description. So, you know, might not make you go through that many hurdles, but it looks like a pretty good book. I have to admit, I haven't read it. I am sure Lucas would be shaking his head at me for that one, but I trust his judgment. And um, the poll line here, he says, our awareness of our delight in the homicidal temptations presented by film is itself a kind of twisted comedy that the critic is all too aware of. And that's, I have to say, something I really do love about Lucas's writing and he's not even here to hear me complimenting him, so you know it's honest. But he he has this very uh, 
like, I don't know. He's got this tone about him, doesn't he? Any, anybody that used to listen to the show when he was on, me reading that sentence, like, it's easy to hear it in his voice because I love him and I love how he is like a, a bit of a brooding guy. I read that sentence. I can just picture him saying that in his brooding tone. But um, he seemed to really like this book. And uh, apparently he has some familiarity with this author because he is known for the new biographical dictionary of film. I learned from Lucas's uh, piece here that David Thompson is a, how do, I think he described him as a holdover from the era where you could get paid <laughs> to write, yeah, to write serious yet accessible uh, arts journalism, which I think is something that as critics is really on our minds, you know, um, Matt and Lucas and I did talk about this very subject actually without mentioning this article about, you know, the approachability of uh, the critic and the reader. And it looks like this guy has a pretty even hand. Lucas also does an interesting thing in this review because he addresses the reader very directly. He starts it out, he says, go on, admit it. You know you've said it, maybe even half meant it once or twice. I know you, you said it because we've all said it. I could kill you, but you didn't go through with it, did you? Why not? Because you're not a murderer. You're probably a halfway decent person, or if not halfway decent, no more wretched than the rest of us. You read the arts views, after all. Maybe, just maybe, you're an accidental killer. Does that put you in the ballpark? I wouldn't know. But hey, accidents happen. That doesn't make you a murderer. And he goes on like that for a while. I love that. I feel like he's accusing me of something. And I'm like, well, hey, listen. But, you know, it makes me want to keep reading to find out what I'm being accused of. And so if you keep going, he talks about how this book, Murder and the Movies, is kind of designed to be a, a criticism of um, why we're all fascinated with death and murder and what attracts us to horror movies. Uh, why, you know, now in the age of binging, can we like just sit here and, and take in all of these like horrific deaths and things like this? I think it's also funny uh, that this just happened to be his most recent piece, because I know Lucas is not necessarily somebody that really um, lives his life by holiday calendars, but this is definitely spooky content for our October episodes. So I have to thank him for being timely with this one. It's also funny for me to read during this time of year because I love Halloween, love the fall. This is like the, the sweater weather white girl in me is just jumping for joy right now. I love it but I hate horror movies. I am maybe, uh, I'm now reading this article wondering if I'm in the minority on that, but I'm not a fan of uh, watching people, even if I know it's pretend, watching people get killed is really like just messed up to me. I, I can almost, I, I would love to hear in um, comment sections across the land when this is published, uh, if other people feel this way, but when I watch a, a, a slasher or something like that, I, I feel like I'm the one being slashed, you know, like I, I feel like I can sympathize, although I've never been stabbed or, or maimed in any real way. <laughs> I don't know what it feels like that my leg chopped off, but I look at that and I'm like, oh, and just that wincing feeling is like way too much for me. So 
I, I'm, I'm sure that this book uh, would resonate with people that really like uh, horror movies. And I mean, at minimum, Lucas's fantastic writing resonated with me. So I would definitely recommend going and checking out the rest of his review. I don't want to give too much of it away. And I also want to give time for our, our darling Matt, who discussed The Stooges, uh, which is something I know a little bit more about, but not a ton, actually. I would like to kind of uh, dig back into this discography. This is a timely article because the reason why this Live at Goose Lake uh, album is coming up is because evidently, um, Matt informs us in this piece, that Jack White, the great, the beautiful, the godly, has used his independent record label to release this album. So this recording, even though was live at Goose Lake, uh, August 8th, 1970, this recording is brand new to the public. So it is timely. But, you know, I do appreciate that Bill gives us a chance to write about older music uh, and I'd wager he might even let us just for funsies, even if there isn't anything new going on with them, um, because there's always something that you can rediscover, you know, and it kind of it reminds other people that maybe aren't as familiar that like, hey, this band is still great, even if they're not here anymore. They're not, you know, really popping. And I would put the Stooges in that category. As far as I know, I don't think they're still running around too much, but um, but they are a fantastic band, and I'm, you know, loosely aware. I, I have a pretty extensive classic rock backlog lodged somewhere in my brain, and I'm aware of the Stooges. Definitely not as much as I would like to be. Um, but this this article by Matt really want, makes me want to get back into He is great at capturing the energy of what's going on in this album being that it is a live album you know that that sound is you know purposely unpolished it's purposely energetic and not the studio so you kind of have to consider the atmosphere that you're hearing as you're trying to describe and and to you know critique and matt is so great at doing that his poll quotes poll quote <laughs> says if we factor in the triple-sized oversell crowd, the bad drug circulating, and the home field advantage, there was plenty there to inspire the Stooges to raise some Mary Hell. And that is that kind of image of raising Mary Hell is also a bit of a call to Matt's personality, I think. So I'm not sure if I, I just know these friends of mine so well that I'm I'm projecting their um their voices because I know their voices but I could just hear Matt just riffing about this band in, in his bubbly way um, but I'll, I'll give you a little taste so he says by 1970 the Stooges were as tight a unit as they'd ever been having come from the bleak industrial Michigan underground they've already made a name for themselves with provocative live shows and gone all the way to New York City to record their self-titled debut record with none other than the legendary John Cale. The just-released Funhouse Beat, the so-called sophomore slump a lot of interesting bands go through. After all, you get your whole life to make your first record, but not your second. 
The album served up a raw, squirming, fierce set of blood-curdling, charismatic rock and roll. For my money, raw power, highlighted by its untouchable opener, Search and Destroy, is their greatest achievement. Funhouse was what paved the way for that triumph, and by 1970, the Stooges were only starting to hit their feral stride. No less a luminary than Jack White, himself a Stooges fanatic, has released a bootleg, The Stooges, live at Goose Lake, August 8, 1970, via his venerable Third Man Records label, and it captures the group in all their glory as a matchless live act. Goose Lake was an outdoor festival which featured a Detroit garage rock version of Woodstock, which included hometown heroes MC5 and Bob Seger. So if we factor in the triple-size oversell crowd, and here his pull quote comes in, the bad drugs circulating and the home field advantage, there was plenty there to inspire the band to raise some merry hell. So right there, he's got me. I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm a loyal fan, but I want to hear about that merry hell. I hope you want to hear about that merry hell. And I would encourage you to go uh, on the Fuse website. Just type in the Stooges in the search bar and it'll come up. But, you know, he kind of name drops a couple albums here that I, I would love to comment on, but I haven't, again, listened to them. I'm, I'm woefully unprepared <laughs> to talk about. <laughs> I can talk more about um, how much I, I love Matt and Lucas's writing because I know them so well, but I don't know the works as well. But, I mean, at least he makes that approachable, you know? He's not, he's not snickering at me as a writer because I don't know these albums that's kind of who Matt is as a person. He'll, he'll just drop something in there to maybe give you uh, uh, something that you haven't heard before to check out. And you, you always walk away from a conversation with that guy with like 16 different, you know, references you got to look up now. <laughs> that's, that's sort of this, uh, this article. If you're not a huge Stooges fan, you can get a little bit of the history here. Um, and he also goes into the background of describing you know uh, the the mental states of the band as this particular performance was going on which is kind of cool uh and and he has a pretty a pretty positive opinion of the band and the performance overall um so now i'm really tempted to hunt this down myself and make my own opinion maybe i'll give you guys an update on that but for now we're going to take it away from uh, the magazine to quickly shed light on a new-to-me band, anyhow. Very nice guys reached out to me. They were happy to share their music with us because they're uh, pretty unknown at the moment. Their name is Whale Song, by the way. That's one word, Whale Song. You can find them on Bandcamp, on Facebook, and Spotify, I believe. Probably Apple Music, too. So they just came out this spring with an album called uh, Radiance of a Thousand Suns. They're trying to get the word out there, get people into the, the album, into their music. So I figured, you know, I'm not the biggest metal fan in the world, but I'm always happy to help out a little guy. So here it is. This is Black Hole by Whale Song.
very big thanks to whale song for that interesting song i i um i hear metal around my house as my husband is a fan and my grandfather is a fan when i go to see him i'm listening to some of those classics but i definitely don't have enough experience to say um you know where whale song may go one day but I, I got to have um, admiration for a band that's got heart. So uh, I hope I, <laughs> if, you, if you came to the Arts Fuse podcast and you're a little confused about that heaviness, well, you know, we, we try to shake it up a little bit. Um, but speaking of heaviness, I think the, uh, the coronavirus disaster that we are living through is pretty damn heavy. And we got to do our best to try to find uh, any any relief we can get, right? So Bill, uh, ever thoughtful, has put together this uh, shelter-in-place attractions <laughs> rather than the normal coming attractions. He says, um, this is what will light your home fires. So not just your normal everyday fire as we used to light. Now we're really keeping the candle at home. Um, in the age of COVID-19, Arts Fuse critics have come up with a guide to film, dance, visual art, theater, and music, mostly available by streaming for the coming weeks. More offerings will be added as they come in. So if you want to take a look at this total list, it's just like the old coming attractions. It's on the old coming attractions tab. If you go to artsfuse.org, right at the top where we have our little logo, you can see all the different, you can even see a podcast tab, which is new and exciting. And uh, if you have any interest to go check out our old archives, you can find every single podcast episode on there. But right next to that is the coming attractions. And if you click on that, the whole coming attractions archive will show up. Shelter in place attractions, October 4th through the 20th is at the top. So this, uh, this list I'm about to give you is only going to be technically relevant for the next week or so but some of this stuff uh, actually runs longer so here you go um there are a lot actually more than i would have expected um short film festivals going on um that you can find either online or in person some are doing both if you are listening to this the day that it comes out and you uh, have time for a last minute uh, film unexpected live stream, <laughs> there's going to be a collective streaming via the Brattle Virtual Theater. Uh, and that is going to run until 
October 15th, which if you're listening to this, the day it came out would be tomorrow, but you've got time technically. So (laughs) the virtual Dockyard series presents a masterpiece of investigation in which filmmaker Alexander Nanow embeds with a large cast of reporters, whistleblowers, and politicians in the wake of a tragic 2015 fire at the Bucharest Nightclub Collective. The film examines the complicated nature of enacting reform, journalism and government as institutions intended to keep those in power accountable, and the resilience of the human spirit in overcoming trauma. Native Sun, streaming via the Brattle Virtual Theater. So the Brattle Theater is really bringing the heat, and Coolidge Corner, they have, um, they, they have a bit of a response to that, but you, if you uh, have any interest in the movie Native Son, 1951, um, you can check that out on the Brattle Virtual Theater's website. See, it says, according to film comment, in 2012, President Obama returned from Argentina with a gift, a digital restoration of 1951's Native Son, which was shot in Argentina and starred the author of the notorious novel, Richard Wright himself. Directed by a Belgian, uh, Pierre Chanel, and featuring studio recreations of the tenements of Chicago's South Side, Native Son was radically cut to appease North American censors and for six decades was available only in truncated form. In order to create this, the most complete version ever shown in the U.S., A 16-millimeter print of the original Argentinian release and an incomplete 35-millimeter negative of the uncensored cut had to be combined. So that's fascinating stuff. I mean, if you're like a film history buff or something, definitely give that a check out. And then the Coolidge Corner uh, Theater, as I said, they have a bit of a response to the Brattle's virtual efforts. They're going to be showing uh, online The Keeper. This is the story of Bert Troutman, the German POW who stayed on in Britain after the Second World War, played for Manchester City from 1949 to 1964, and in the victorious 1956 FA Cup final became a legend for playing to the final whistle with a broken neck. Initially, the presence of this former, oh, gonna butcher this one, sorry, y'all, Wehrmacht, Wehrmacht, I'm hoping. Uh, soldier caused outrage in Manchester, particularly among its Jewish community. But Troutman's sincere disgust at Nazi war crimes, his decency, humility, marriage to a British woman, and his great performances on the pitch won the city over. So that's pretty uh, gripping stuff. We also have our uh, film critic Tim Jackson, uh, if you're familiar with him. We had him on the show last season. He's a really nice guy. He put together on this list um, interactive lists of his own for online platforms, video film essays, recommendations in black cinema. So I would definitely recommend going online so you can really look through those and um, get a lot of good advice from a great critic. And then there's also some opportunities to see... um, some dance performances actually in person (laughs) uh if if the weather is good on october 16th and 17th at 7 30 p.m in cambridge at the starlight stage which is an outdoor venue uh you can check out black dance boston hip-hop and elemental love 
that is going to be starting at uh, 7.30 p.m. And tickets will be at the door, but you can also go to Starlight Stage's website and purchase. What else do we have? Uh, live jazz concerts, awesome stuff. I regret never going to any of the Boston jazz bars now that they're all closed. So if that was, you know, your place and you really are missing all of that live jazz music, you can get a little bit of it with Thumbscrew celebrating Mary Halverson's 40th birthday with a live stream from the Roulette Jazz Club, October 16th at 8 p.m. The collective trio, Fujiwara, Formanek, Halvorsen, mm, sorry, 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 y'all, will present new music from their forthcoming album, Never Is Enough, plus a selection of tunes from their latest release, The Anthony Braxton Project. And there's actually an Arts Fuse review of The Anthony Braxton Project. So if you see this uh, online on the, um, the coming attractions list, there's a link where you can click and check out that review which was written by Steve Feeney, who is also a very, very nice uh, critic that we have in our ranks. Um, let's see, it says, mixed in with other originals and covers developed over the past nine years of playing music together. So that, I'm sure, will be a hopping performance. And if I were to keep going down the list here, we've got, you know, virtual um, theater play performances and Q&A panels, We've got visual art uh, galleries that are opening actually in person and galleries that are opening for um, virtual tours. There's a whole big list of classical music put together by Jonathan Blumhofer, also been around the Fuse for quite a while. So, you know, I could, I could sit here and laundry list it to you, but I'll tell you, you'd be a lot better served to just check out the whole thing in its, in its entirety. and we're about out of time anyway. It's crazy how fast a good conversation goes. I hope that um, these musings on my lonesome will get even close to making up for the lively conversation that you guys missed out on, unfortunately, between me and Matt and Lucas. But suffice to say that with these three gabbers, that uh, experience will definitely happen again soon, so you guys can be a part of it. We're hoping to have them on the show in November, so hopefully you won't have to wait too, too long for that. Um, the next episode, we will obviously be doing something for Halloween, because how could I not? I still got to think on that one, but you can expect something spooky to be happening. Um, but we will also be discussing a little bit of what was uh, just in the infancy of discussion on the um, shelter-in-place attractions here. We're going to be talking about how the show has to go on, and not in like a, uh, you know, open everything up, annoying Republican-y way, <laughs> like a actually, um, you know, pandemic or not, we're living in a weirdly digital world now, and this, this um, arts show it, you know, regardless of medium or genre, is going to have to go on digitally uh, now and probably for the long haul. 
So a lot to discuss there. Uh, hopefully we'll have Bill on the show to talk with us about that, but that's a little bit of a TBD. So thanks everybody for, um, you know, showing up anyway. I hope I just didn't disappoint you guys uh, without Matt and Lucas being around, but that is the short of it for this week. Be on the lookout on October 26th for that show must go on slash Halloween episode. Um, you can keep the conversation going with us on our social medias at the short fuse pod on Facebook and Twitter, uh, or you can email us at the short fuse podcast at gmail.com. That's all one word, no capitals, no funny business. If you really love us, you can go leave us a nice review on Apple music. Um, that's always really appreciated. Hit us with those five stars. Uh, who doesn't love that? Or you can send us some money on the old Patreon. And uh, I think next episode, I'll tell you a little bit more about our new Patreon and how you can get set up with a tier of your choosing and what your contribution would get you. Uh, but we'll save that for